This is Cult Scene's K-Pop Unmuted, a podcast dedicated to in-depth discussion of K-Pop. We're your hosts, Stephen Knight. And Joe Palmer. And on this episode, we're discussing songs released in March 2019. Joe, why don't we just jump right in with uh, with your first song? Yeah, why not? Um, so my first pick is um, a new girl group, Yue Hua's Ent- Entertainment's Everglow. I guess most people might know that they have Shihyun and... Um, Wang Iran from Produce 48. They just debuted with uh, Bonbon Chocola, which is a pretty strong, solid debut, I would say. It's kind of, I'm sort of connected with a song we're going to talk about later as well, but there's a, um, they have a very definite sense of sound and sort of style that they're going with. You know, it's hip hop and trap kind of inspired without having too much rapping, which I quite like about it. You know, they use the, the kind of ad libs of, you know, the, the little Uzi kind of throw-ins, which I think are fun. It actually, it reminds me of my favorite four-minute song, um, Blind, from the the mini-album with Hate, uh, and how they oh, used wow. the, yeah, the, how they used the, the, the auto-tune, which I, I, I've seen a lot of people not enjoying, but to me, it, it's, it's really fun. We need fun. more auto-tune. I think auto-tune gets a bad name. Yeah, yeah. And it actually comes up again in another one of my songs, but, but the way it's used here is very, um, it's quite light. It's, um, it's really just changing the kind of tone of their their voices, and it makes it to me it gives it a, a I want to say it gives it some sort of a depth in that there's a, I guess texture to their voices that might not have been there before. You know, it, it it sort of does mask what their vocals might sound like going forward in the future. But I think with Iran in particular, she didn't really impress me in the Produce Forty Eight at all. I didn't there was nothing really there going for her, but her sort of almost like flat, you know, not much happening with her voice really works. You know, the almost childishness of it is, is completely contrasted with the the, uh, the auto-tune and makes it a lot more interesting than uh, ever before. Well, Joe, I really like the uh, the songs you've picked for this episode. I have to say, this is probably my least favorite of them all. I didn't I didn't think the production was that interesting. Although I'm, I'll listen again and for the auto tune and see how they use that. Yeah, in it's... the song, I do have to give them extra extra credit for rhyming chocolate with sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I do. There's there's very many great. Um, random rhymings that k-pop kind of brings up when it's when they're using english with that which is a, you know, another great reason to like it but yeah um sure, sure. I, I i do agree that the the majority of the song is not particularly interesting i i do like how in the second chorus they sort of hold back the the bass drum for another few measures but then even then they use that again for their final chorus which makes the the climax of the song a little like not as powerful as it should have been but it, but it's an interesting start, and also one small quick tangent. Um, yeah, Shihyun, uh, her part in Produce Forty Eight when she was learning to be a center for Rumor that was like my favorite part in the whole show, and it was really like the, the most interesting thing about, I thought was about the show. Um, so it, it's it's cool to see her doing well. Yeah, I think they're promising for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I'm going to start with a song that's definitely interesting. And I, I told you when we were planning the show, I'm surprised that you let me get away with, with taking this song. But I want to start with Subin's Ketchup, which is a pun. It's spelled K-A-T because ketchup and then the condiment. Um, the, a tricky thing about this, I feel like we talk about stage names and things a lot on this show, but she's changed her stage name, I guess you'd call it, to Dal Subin, which is her, you know, what she uses on social media. And I'm, I guess that's the reason for it. It was as a big fan of Subin, it was sort of uh, annoying that none of her music is now all together. And, uh, you know, it was hard to find when I was first looking for it. I, I guess, I mean, I hope she knows what she's doing. I think maybe social media will be one of her main means of promoting herself now that she's pretty much, I mean, it looks like she's maybe like a self-financed company, solo company, pretty much. I mean, it's the Subin company now. So maybe that makes sense for her. But you did an interview on Cult Scene that I thought was was really interesting. One of the things that jumped out at me was that this song took the longest to produce yeah. any song that she has written. Yeah, that, that it was an interesting one. You know, you're talking about the company and there's, I think there's a lot of stuff that's been revealed since the debut that I would have liked to have asked, but the, the, the circumstances of the interview were um, uh, sort of difficult to get those sort of things, you know, especially with email and translations and stuff. So it, it worked right. in the end, but uh, yeah, actually like that part about the song, you know, and I, I listened to it again today. I was like, it it does show, I think, in the the level of detail and like, you know, every instrument in the song feels very perfectly and precisely produced, and they how they go together and where they come in and where they come out. So, yeah, she she did a great job in that sense. I think. Yeah, it does, and the, you know, the first time or maybe first few times I listened to it, I almost thought are there too many ideas that are in this one song? You know, did she maybe work on this song too long? But the more I listen to it, the more I, I appreciate that. And maybe that's, you know, was similar to her in the process of it. I'm sure it's hard to get away from a song when you work on it for a long time and hear it fresh. Um, but you know, you, do you know, Nick James does the bias list yeah. reviews. He's got a category, one of the, one of the, on his rating scale of longevity which is where he tries to guess, you know, whether he's going to get tired of a song or, uh, you know, how how much, uh, how long a song will be interesting. And I think this would rate high in that category. Uh, there's lots of interesting things that Subin does to keep the song interesting. One, just a, just an obvious thing is in the verses, you know, you notice she starts out singing in a very whispery, low voice. In the production, the actual volume doesn't change, but the singing becomes a goes to a fuller voice and higher notes, and it move. You know, so I feel like so many verses are just kind of marking time until the chorus. But even within the verses, there's movement and change in the song. <laughs> I, I agree to a certain extent about it having longevity. I think since I first heard it and I still listen to it now, I I, I still get frustrated by the um, the sort of dance break towards the end. Yeah. Everything before that like felt quite new. You know, she was trying out a lot of things and 
they were all really working and going. But even right before that, the the Absa, Absa, that like kind of stilted, like kind of delayed thing she was doing, and then it kind of goes to this like right, and then she she waits just a little longer than is comfortable. Yeah, on the last one, and then it goes to this you know dancey break thing where they're like you know uh, pitch shifting and changing the the vocals of catch up and. It just falls flat every single time for me. Yeah, I'm really conflicted about that. I like it a lot better since I've seen the stages. It seems it works really well, I think, on stage. Mm. And I've also noticed, I don't know that it solves the the issue about how well it fits into the song, but... It is interesting that she takes elements from the rest of the song and mixes them into that dance break. So the chorus, each time there's some vocal samples, you know, more and more are added each time the chorus comes through. And some of those are used in that dance break to attempt to tie it together yeah, anyway. Yeah. yeah I, so I I'm liking it more and more. Yeah. I like, I, I don't know what she could have done better like, to please me, I guess, but it doesn't need to go big. It doesn't need to go too small, but it just felt a little too like, let's do a dancey thing. Cause we've thought of everything else. We can't think of anything it's else. K-pop. You have to, I know, I know. I do wonder if like someone came in last minute and was like, no, you need a dancey part. You know, you've done all your experimental stuff, <laughs> but it is cool. You know, and it's great to see that she can get back on stage. Finally, you know, that there is some sort of career still for, for, groups member like idols like her but also idols from groups right. that we used to to love and cherish yeah and you know i'm not a i'm not a big fan of authenticity and i don't really care whether the idols how how much of a hand they have in their production or whether they're singing about their true feelings or not but yeah. i i do like this kind of situation where she because she writes and produces and i think she uh she has other aspects of her career that allow her to fund, uh, you know, her music that it allows her to continue to make music, even if she's not top tier money and sales and, and so on. So for that reason, I'm glad that she is, you know, yeah. writes and produces her songs. Yeah. 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 I mean, like she's done a lot of things with like great stuff, like catch up, but also like before circles dream, which I'm sure we've talked about before and her yeah. first mini album, which I listened to again recently is really good. So she's, she's good at producing, which is just another thing that like, I feel like there's a lot of idol producers that are not that good, but we, we kind of lift them up because they're doing it themselves. Yeah, no, she's great. All right. What else have you got for us? I guess we can talk about some boys now. Um, yeah. I got, um, help me by block B Bastards. Block B, I know I, I thought they were finished since Zico left and mm-hmm. I guess they had a probably had a difficult choice in terms of what to do you know but it might have turned out better for them now I mean Zico is potentially wrapped up in the whole burning sun song week controversy I know his name has been mentioned a couple of times yeah. yeah but um I guess having this subunit is a good way for Block B to move on personally and their mini album was uh is a, it was a really interesting little thing actually you helped me and if you're going to listen to the intro and help me together, it's a, it's a really funny little like jazzy hip hop, like kind of duo that they're going and help me again, uses all these different elements, like a, a jazzy kind of beat, you know, loungy almost the piano is really mm-hmm. good. 
and it has this really um, sort of rough kind of electronic string section as well that that goes along with uh, P.O. who I think he's he's really thriving on this song. It's it's a song that really fits well with him. He's to me he's always been a quite of a a reckless presence within Block B. His voice is like really gruff and really out there. Like um, compared to especially other deep voice rappers, I think he 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 kind of snarls a bit more and but it also has a, a layer of uh, uh, sensitivity about him, which is key to this song because it's basically a song about a, a, a wounded, you know, wounded man trying to stay tough and, and, and manly. But at the end of the day, he's like, I know P.O. asks, kind of, can you lend me your body tonight? But he just wants to lie beside it, you know, which I think goes really well with the, the sort of the musical aspects of it because it has these different parts to it that are seemingly kind of too dissonant to really make make sense. But I think P.O. like really ties it together. And he's, again, using auto-tune to kind of heighten his anguish. And it's it's, it's quite works for me, I think, you know, especially um, B-Bomb and Yukon are doing really sort of standard but really nice work in between. I also am interested by P.O.'s Robert De Niro reference um, to, to my body, De Niro. I it. Yeah, he said to my body, De Niro, and then something else which doesn't really tie in, and it, it it doesn't really make any sense. I'm not really sure what's going on, but I guess to me, I think of it as a like a raging bull reference about how a man's sort of psyche is breaking down as well while his body is being broken down because you see in in the video, P.O.'s walking around after a car crash there's blood all over him and and stuff when he's spitting blood as he's yeah i had to sign into words. google to verify my age to watch <laughs> the uh the music video yeah it's 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 pretty uh it's pretty out there in that sense and you know pio's cursing in it as well and you're cursing in english and there's a, there's a lot of things going on and it just came out a couple of days ago but it it sort of stuck with me and i, I keep going back trying to open it don't talk to me like the baby Come here right now, where is well, I'm glad you picked this one because I, I could easily have missed this. And now that I think about it, I kind of have liked, I think, some Black Beef uh, Bastard songs, but the production on this is incredible. Yeah. I especially like the sort of funky slow jam instrumentals that kick in at one point but there's so much going on and you know but it does it does work really well yeah yeah and the rest of the album has similar stuff like from sold has a video as well and that's uh, a bit more sort of funk even funkier than this and a bit lighter and loungier but this one is it's, it's the type of thing i love where it's kind of connecting a number of things that seem completely opposite and just kind of crashing them together and it just about comes out on top Thanks to really, yeah, as I said, that reckless presence of P.O. Well, I've got a boy band that I want to talk about too, but it's not any ordinary boy band. This is the next boy band, Joe. I don't know if you've heard of them. Probably. The, uh, the new big hit group. Uh, and again, we have these name issues. So I think of them as TXT. I guess they're officially Tomorrow by Together. And it's also tempting to maybe call them Text. It's funny that their name is so uh, 
difficult because you would think with big hits experience with BTS, they would have learned, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I think that they kind of regretted all the changes that they had to make. To, you know, I think when BTS started, they weren't, there was no idea that they're going to be an international group and their name just didn't translate that well. I mean, any ac- any three letter acronym works great, but uh, Bulletproof Boy Scouts does not really work that well. And, you know, for international audiences and I don't know, Tomorrow by Together, does that work better? Maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so, but <laughs> I guess they're thinking, they're, their ideas is that they'll always be called TXT internationally. Right. But I think in Korea, there it's always set out the full way, right? Like it is with BTS. I think it's tomorrow by together. And even like Spotify, you have to search tomorrow by together. It took me ages. Well, that was find. another thing. Now, yeah, now that you mentioned it, I had the same problem I had with Subin. Yeah. Just trying to find this, yeah. uh, and like this album. Keep up, especially when they have these three letter acronym acts are usually so easy to find and that's that's why how it works and it's so accessible so mm-hmm. it does seem a strange choice definitely but also yeah. i guess they, they like their sort of grand you know stories um and stuff you know the, the connecting universes and whatnot well speaking of which there's one little detail in here that to me is such a big hit kind of touch is the morse code yeah you know the teasers all had morse code which meant different things like dreaming or clue or secret. But then even in the song, they've got Morse code at the start and I guess in in the bridge. And I think it just just says Crown, which is the name of the song. In case I didn't say that, by the way, I'm talking about Crown, which is one of the two lead singles from the album. <laughs> To me, on paper, that's a great idea. And when I listened to the songs and didn't think about it, it was great. But now that I think about the Morse code, it's kind of distracting. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> I guess so there's a lot of songs like that where there's a where there's a an oral gimmick. You know, if you yeah. if you focus on that, it can just drive you crazy. Yeah. Whenever I start to listen to it, I I always think that I'm listening to the wrong thing because it reminds me <laughs> of another song that I think I, can't, I think it's a Gorilla song or something. I can't remember at the moment, but Reminds me exactly of that. It's sort of like, yeah, distracting, like you said. Well, I really like the chorus. I mean, I want to say something good about it because I really do like the song. The The highlight to me is there's a really uh, rhythmic section of the chorus that's sort of call and response that has an odd vocal timbre to it. I guess it's filtered. To me, it sounds like they're maybe even mirroring a synthesizer sound that's used throughout the song kind of as a rhythmic element that plays a couple of notes on this kind of raspy synthesizer. But regardless of whether that's what they're trying to do or not, I think that part of the chorus works really well. Yeah, yeah, it's a really strong... Uh, mini overall, I think. Uh, it's been a, a good sort of month or two for boy groups in general. Like, there's a couple I, I just missed off, like VAV and 100% and Trey from last month. Pentagon uh, put out some really Pentagon. good uh, yeah. music too. As yeah. much as you want to cancel Cube, they just keep putting out good music. <laughs> but yeah, this one, this one, yeah, is it works quite strongly for me. Um, I'd like to see more of them. 
Well, it's nice to see another boy band doing more dance pop and and less in the hip hop lane. Yeah, we got plenty of those groups. Yeah, exactly. And like, I think we kind of connected that quite quickly because there is less of it. And um, I think they these guys have the potential to take it somewhere a bit more interesting because you know we've seen a lot of the smaller groups do it every now and then, and it it, it just about works. But like, I mean, like Snooper, my kind of my arch nemesis, <laughs> nemesis is, um. But uh, there's a lot of potential there, and like, it's really interesting to see what Big Hit will do with, with them. You know, if they'll try and push them like BTS, or they'll keep them, you know, keep them as a local group, because this sound is a little less um, crossover potential. Um, yeah, that's probably true. But I do think that they'll stick with it for another few songs at least. All right, and so what is your last song, Mr. Palmer? This one is uh, Beck Yerin, who uh, is a JYP soloist and part of 15 and i don't know if they're still a thing um yeah like it, you don't think of jyp as having a dungeon but if there is one you and beck and and park jimin are both are in it yeah exactly of the time. this is the, the type of stuff i might ignore every now and then i think there's a i have a tendency to think that every soloist is going to be just sort of coffee shop music and this isn't actually too far yeah. from that in fairness um the song i picked is the opener from her album Mary and the Witch Mary and the Witch's Flower. Which uh I mean it has an obvious Studio Ghibli kind of connection with that, but also the the opening piano is like almost an exact rip off of sort of any Joe Hisashi soundtrack from those movies. Which I, I love to be honest. It's something that's that kind of connects with me so quickly just because of how long I've loved those movies. Um it's actually I think of one of Subin's older songs, Flower, sort of reminds me of those as well. Hmm. It has this really long intro. I think it takes about 40 seconds for it to get into the lower song, which I really, really like as well. Any long intro that's the same thing, even just like constantly repeated for a while, um, is always great to me. But the song is nice. Um, I think it's more indicative of the album as a whole than maybe the best song on it, or my favorite song even. It's, it's a really fresh sounding track her voice is so soft all over you know she tries a couple of r&b stuff maybe a little more poppy stuff but it, it, it has this really you know fresh sort of easygoing sound throughout the whole thing and I, i've been listening to it quite a lot you know no song is sticking out to me but that's because it's kind of this complete sort of package that she's created you're tempted to think that it's just a a ballad or like you said a coffee house indie yeah. kind of uh song i guess indie covers a lot but the the production is kind of surprising and and interesting yeah, yeah she does a lot like um, there's a song in the middle where she's it's just piano and her singing in english um i quite like it's really sweet but then it goes straight into a, a very r&b you know that's it's a very like solange and uh, blood orange inspired track with the kind of chorus, the coming back in chorus, gospel chorus almost. Um, and then she has a couple, two versions of her song, I Don't Know, which are both really interesting and quite different. I noticed that I, it looks like all the songs, are, or at least, or maybe almost all of them, were produced by uh, Yerin herself and Cloud. 
I'm not familiar with, but uh, has done a work with Hyorin and B1A4 and a number, a number of groups. Interesting that they had, you know, have the same, uh, that Yaren has such a big role in it and also that they had the same duo producing all the songs on it. Yeah, it, it's, this, this really surprised me. I'm still listening to it. It's, it's, it also came out about the same time as Hayes' new album. And I like mm-hmm. Hayes' new album, but and I, I usually like her stuff, but it's just not hitting as well. I think this one just has it's like little details here and there, and um, a great focus on her voice doing a, a number of different things. You know, her singing in English, which it's like the, the the lyrics of that song are almost I can't remember the name of it. The well, just the piano, but they're like quite cringy, but I still find them really sweet. Um, yeah. Well, my final song is uh, I think this may be my favorite song so far this year. I'm not going to say it's the best, but I think this may be my favorite. It's WGSN's Pinky Star, which is also in parentheses run. The song reminds me a little bit of a scene from 16, the uh, JYP survival audition show where Twice was selected. There's There's an episode where JYP is introducing a group of trainees to a new song. And the the first thing he says about it is that the key to this song is the rhythm. And he's talking about the rhythm of the vocals, you know, not the instrumentals. And it seems to me that I, I hear that a lot in, in JYP songs. Uh, Miss A's Good Girl, Bad Girl comes to mind. But there's a lot of uh, JYP songs where the, the rhythm of the vocals is very important. And I think it, that it is in Pinky Star too you know you hear it it from the starting with the intro they have this uh sort of chant i guess three syllables and what they're what they say changes but they they say they say these three syllables three times in a row with a different rhythm and then they go into the verses basically chant singing so that's uh obviously the rhythm is important in there too but the the really interesting part of the song where you wouldn't expect rhythm to be as important is in the chorus you know, I was I was looking forward to this release. I like WGSN. And, you know, the first time I was listening to it, that you have this nice intro, the verse is good. They're building up to this chorus. And I'm, I was expecting a big, bright girl group chorus. But the start, the first part of the chorus, they sort of pull back and they have this odd, chanty section, mm. which was not what I expected at all. And I really... You know, it wasn't a good surprise the first time I heard it, but like as so often happens, it's now my favorite part of the song. It's such a, it's so catchy and fun. Yeah, it's the part that sticks with me all the time as well, I think. Like I quite I like Puzzle Moon, but this is like I think a big step up. Puzzle Moon, and they're very similar sort of heresy pop, but yeah, Puzzle Moon to me was sort of beholden to that genre almost. They they felt like they had like had this idea of the house song and just kind of they filled themselves into it. Whereas this, they sort of revitalized themselves with that sort of what I was thinking the same thing as you with like this great vocal rhythms. You know, there's a lot of movement between the members as they're singing, you know, the, the three syllable opening parts and they're swapping it out. And 
the sort of almost rap parts of that pre-chorus, which are really, really, really good. And then they still give you a bright girl group chorus in the second part of the of the. Chorus. Yeah, yeah, you still get it, and it just it just feels like a, a, a major step up. Um, sort of what I, I think that the connection with Everglow is that Everglow sort of are doing something similar where they're establishing themselves in some sort of sound and they've done it nicely and sort of generically, but it's where they go from there, which is interesting. And, you know, GWS and have really done well. And I think So Young as well, the sort of main vocal has put in an incredible performance in this song. She's like everywhere on it, um, constantly belting things out. And she sort of keeps it like she, they, the smaller voiced members or the rappers like Mia and So, so Kyung are, filling in around her no they're, they're kind of the constant she's filling in almost all the gaps like her, her shouts of i run are really really good and towards the end she's kind of throwing her voice around doing whatever uh, is, is really spectacular i think well joe i really appreciate how you corrected my wgsn without <laughs> I didn't gwsn even notice. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know. These scripts are so confusing. And and there's also WJSN, which doesn't help. See, that's what I was thinking, because I would call WJSN Cosmic Girls, what I'd say first. Right. But then GWSN, I would not call Girls in the Park. That's true. So I don't know if there's a a rule. Then, yeah, I don't know. Because Girls in the Park doesn't really make sense in English. Well, it does, but. GWSN is just easier. Yeah, and I see people complaining about that, but to to me, isn't it similar to Girls' Generation? Like they've got the Korean name and then the international. Yeah, name? yeah. I guess because we use SNSD like all the time as well. Right. Yeah. Right. We'll get used to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and their choreo choreography is always is top notch. And the whole concept, you know, the music video. I mean, it it looks like there's there's something going on there. I haven't yeah. tried to figure out exactly what the story is, but uh, but the music videos for Puzzle Moon too, they're both yeah, yeah. really interesting. They are. I'm I am pretty tired of this whole connected storyline thing. You know, yeah, the Luna yeah. and BTS and Dreamcatcher. But um, I like how they have the symbols in the choreography. They they do with their hands. The sort of sort of pinky stars, like they say in the song, but also they make diamond shapes and stuff and they go across puzzle moon's choreography and this choreography so yeah i noticed everglow's got some kind of distinctive sort of okay sign thing that they're doing yeah i don't know what that is yeah i don't know i think everyone's just trying to do this luna thing now right why wouldn't you i guess yeah there's worse groups to imitate true true but they probably missed the boat a bit i'd say (laughs) like 18 months ago yeah (laughs) I guess that, that closes out all my songs. Pretty good um, selection, I would say. Thanks so much for listening. You can find uh, the podcast on uh, cultscene.com. Um, we'll be posting it, uh, of course, on the K-pop Unmuted Twitter, which is twitter.com forward slash K-pop Unmuted. It'll be on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, all your favorite. Um, yeah, and be sure to visit Cult Scene to uh, read the Subin interview if you haven't checked that out yet, too. Oh, yes, that would be nice, of course. Yeah, thanks so much. You can uh, find me uh, uh, on Twitter at Captain Joe Hook and Stephen. I am at Tennessee Appeal. Um, thank you once again to Scott and Durante for editing. Thanks, so Scott. And yeah, be, be sure to tune in for some more detailed episodes and more roundups in the future.